Hello and welcome to The Word Designer. I'm Felician and today my guest is Martina Pagura, a product design manager at Koa Health and lecturer. Martina is working on, pro- on a project that will make mental health support accessible to millions with the use of technology. Happy to have you here today, Martina. Happy to be here, Felician. So, Martina, please tell me, what were the most important points in your career as a designer that now you're leading a, leading a team? <laughs> wow, straight to the point, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say that every single step I took in my career led to where I'm now. So I wouldn't say there was one job, one education that um, was just like every, every, every school, every job taught me something and make me grow in the professional I am now. Probably as I started as an um, industrial designer, so more like in the tangible part of things and less into electronics, like, uh, like a turning point was like uh, meeting first uh, Gillian Fenton Smith and Philip Tabor um, and studying interaction design with them. Uh, whom they led me afterwards in uh, CID, where I <laughs> I spent like one year uh, intensive learning interaction design, and that is where really my doors opened to what I wanted to do in life, and and from there was just a nice ride. <laughs> nice. And now you are working at Coa Health, so you are working on let's say the well-being of people. So did you want to go into the more the healthcare sector and work in it? Or was it yeah, just c- coincidence? <laughs> I no, I always uh, love to be uh, working for people. Um, and that's why also I'm into user-centered design and I really like this approach of designing. To the point that, like, I can tell you an anecdote, but I I interviewed for a very big company at some point in my life. And during the interview, they told me, do you know that um, you you are so much into people that maybe are not a right fit here? Because at the end of the day, here we do mouse, computers, and such and such and such a thing. And so maybe you should, like, go and find something that is actually more poetic and more meaningful and um and when i was working in consultancy already i was always leaning towards products that were like in the health sector but um then of course i derived i went to work for hp for 3d printing and then when this uh i discovered there was a place in (laughs) in barcelona like uh at the time when i joined was like um innovation hub that was focusing on mental health, I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to get a job there. <laughs> and luckily I did. Um, but have been an exciting ride since I joined, in the, definitely. <laughs> because mental health is right now a big problem. Like I know that more companies are investing into uh, psychologists in the uh, company, so yeah, people can reach out to them, talk about the problems. But... How does design play into that? How does design solve this mental health problem today? Well, 
uh, design, um, especially for uh, what design, the design, the, uh, the meaning that I give to design, um, has a huge impact in the type of work that we do and as a big differentiator. But it's also cannot be uh, the only thing. In like for building a project like this, you need like many components. Uh, you need to have the the content written by specialists. We have a team of neurologists, psychologists. We have development that they can actually implement and develop amazing stuff. So it's really like a collaboration. And the design and the role of design here is really to be uh, the um, paladin of users, right? Because if you... um, we are in a way like the expert of trying to dig in in what really works from both from a concept like desirability for people to uh, more like tactically like usability. Can people go from A to B? Do they get um, mad at it? And if you if you think that we work with people in uh, that might struggle in a moment of their life, like with depression, anxiety, you have to be very cautious about like how you build what you build because people could be entered the upright in the mental state of thinking, I'm a failure. <laughs> uh, or or the opposite, like being so anxious that like if you put them on a list that is too long, it's overwhelming. So the devil is in the details. <laughs> yeah. And we have to do both, look at the big picture and details. So we actually address the people that we uh, that is our users do you focus only on user centricity when designing the product or it does more things play into that uh i guess all the company not just my team uh we are very user-centered design um like it's the the way we go and actually it's like you know, as every discipline is evolving, um, we have some amazing uh, user research team that are always trying to find different ways to talk with our users, and we and we involve users like all the way in the process. Yeah. Like uh, I like to divide. You know, there is many ways that you can <laughs> talk about process, but like there is um, opportunity finding when you don't know what you're going to build and you just like sense the ground with people, then you have concept. Um, and then it's more like, you know, when you do high level uh, wireframings or sketches of what yeah. the things could be, and then down to usability then when you have like actually interactive flows to test. And we involve users in all the phases because um, I don't know. I don't even know how I would design. Like I'm so used to design this way that I think I forgot how you design without users. Ah, that's interesting. And do you think that good design is always user-centered? No. I mean, if you design for yourself, um, you can totally... I mean, I do things for my day-to-day. You know, like if you're a designer, you can be creative and just you know, find solution to small problems in everyday life. And so if you design for yourself or you design for someone that is exactly like you, um, you can do it. (laughs) But especially 
especially working with softwares. It's very yeah. tricky because in our case, we are uh, trying to address <laughs> millions of people. And among yeah. millions of people, there could be the tax savvy, that could be like a person that uh, maybe previous generation maybe didn't have so much access to yeah. technology till their 50s. So uh, it's, it's very hard to understand what is like the, the right cognitive ergonomics to design into something that is not for yourself and for your understanding. Yeah. And especially if you're a UX designer, like we tend to be tech savvy, right? Because <laughs> we work so much with development that then at the end of the day, we, we know the tricks uh, of the game. Yeah. I can troubleshoot my laundry without reading the <laughs> instruction because probably it's like, press this for 10 seconds. Okay, it's not this one, then it's gonna be probably this other option. <laughs> You get technology, but then we don't design for people that get technology necessarily. Or in my case, I don't design for other psychologists that they know already CBT. And so even if my journey is messy, they will get it because they know what is the order of things that they have to do. So it's complex and and we need people. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody needs people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You work closely with a development team. There is always this friction between developers and designers. But how do you think should the relation look like? Like, what can we do to improve it? It's interesting because I heard this a lot in my career that uh, there is friction. And in my experience, the friction normally lies somewhere else. Like, uh, friction normally... In my case, for example, the moment we are, we are a startup, we are growing, we are pushing boundaries, etc. The tension for us is a lot with sales and growth, you know, because of course we all want things, but there is like a certain amount of time that things takes to be done. So we, we all aim for the same goal. But, uh, you know, sometimes there is a bit of tension of like, how many people we have in the team, et cetera, et cetera. And with development, I always felt we were allies. Um, and maybe because I, maybe because of the education I got, especially at CID, in which it was like really a mix of people. Um, and you can really see the value of being a multidisciplinary team from the get-go. Because I've been talking with a lot of people that have problems and the biggest difference that I notice in the way I am used to work um, and the other type of environment is that there is no shared ownership from the get-go. Um, there is often, in startup can happen two things, right? Either there was like an idea that was like first implemented in a cons design consult in tech consultancy and then dropped in a team, or there is like uh, something that was built by someone that was very tech savvy, but then doesn't have maybe much usability. Yeah. And so when it starts from one extreme or another, it's very hard to get things together. But we were lucky because we were uh, we born in a, a incubator lab. So our team grew from the get go as a as a team. Like we are 
uh, we have different uh, specialities in our team and you do this good, I do this good, we brainstorm together, what is the thing that we want to build? We are all agreeing, okay, now we can split and conquer. And so the togetherness, really. So you have the perfect environment. Like from the get-go, you work together and that's where the growth happens, right? Yeah. It's not like in some teams that yeah, the designer does a job, then they give the design to the developers, they work on implementing it, and yeah, they don't work together. And then there are problems. Yeah, and uh, and I, I, I experienced in my past... Um, maybe new joiners or people that are more, you know, coming from other environments that they are used like, oh, I did my design, my specs, and then here you go, like send a Slack or an email, and then it's like, hello. <laughs> um, so I I mean, I'm not naive. I know that there is, um, but I mean, think like about like in a, in a I, I like always to think about, analogy in the real world right um there is if someone comes to you and say here you go i made this amazing cake now you eat it and you're like but i didn't ask for cake (laughs) and and it's kind of the same right instead if you say hey what do you feel about eating today uh what about cake shall we make a cake together yes let's make a cake and then it tastes double nice um i love this analogy (laughs) i mean of course again as i said uh, before we are building products uh, there is sales growth um, business awareness so it's not that you just decide like oh what but within the constraints i think there is like a lot of room to work together yeah like my collaboration, the best products get created. And the more people get engaged, the better it can be. Of course, if there are too many people, then it can get messy, but... Yeah, when you start to be eight developers, four designers, it's like, you know, the refine session becomes too long, and people are not, like, aware of everything that is going on, and so we we are thinking to split it in two, so we can actually refocus and recreate like this uh, um, positive environment for more creativity and independent autonomy, I would say. Autonomy is the right word. (laughs) Do you think that the good designer should be logical and crazy at the same time? Yes, (laughs) I I do. Um, Because often in my past, I've been uh, more... Uh, like labeled as an artist and I'm like people I'm really the opposite of an artist I'm like practically a developer you know but that doesn't write code um and I'm I'm designing logic flows Uh, and and so there is like this component that is like very um you know, it's very firm. It's very uh, tangible in a way. Um, and that's also part of what I love of this job. But then if you want to work in innovation environments, you need to be able to think about the box. And so it's almost like having a, a Dr. Jackie, Mr. Hyde uh, personality like that. You have to be able to 
uh, channel yourself? Like, when is the moment to be really like um, uh, tactical? Uh, and so you build this flow. It has to be shipped by tomorrow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when it's like, okay, now it's blue sky time. Let out the beast, <laughs> and where you can really. I don't know, brainstorm for the future, um, have, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think you have to be a bit like uh, crazy, yes, the, in the positive way. Yeah. The way that you believe that you can change things. Because if you don't believe it, you're never going to do it, right? Yeah, like the crazy people are the ones that yeah, make the biggest difference often, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, you you have to be able to dare, right? Uh, and I guess the more experience you have and the more products you have been doing, the more mistakes you have been making, the more you are able to dare with less margin of error. Um, but you need like that instinct, no, to not to go for the safe one. Not to copy the other product, not uh, not to be in the zone all the time. Yeah, but like there are too many copies right now. I would say, like uh, when you look at the products or the SaaS tools that are out in the market, like everything looks the same. Maybe the colors change a bit, but yeah, it works the same. It has the same functionalities. It does the same things. And like, where is the difference, right? And yeah, we have to somehow change that. <laughs> well, there is like um, there is one aspect, no, that when you're designing something, if uh, if the brain understands things in a certain way, why not to do it in the same way? And and honestly, I would love to see more of that in. <laughs> How do you say like all the services that are like around like public services, public healthcare, like I'm like, how this stuff can be so unusable? Can you copy something, please? <laughs> you know, there is like some basic heuristics that would be nice to be seen applied. But then of course, uh there is the other side of the middle that if you wanna make a product that um that stick to people. You cannot just copy another uh, yeah. another product. I've seen like many startup like say starting. Oh, we do kind of an Instagram, uh, but with different functionality, and they start really copying the interface. Yeah. And and then of course they don't fly. And then you're like, yeah, of course you already have a monster there that is doing it. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's like building a community. Then it's like a nightmare. But I'm deriving. Uh, <laughs> my point is that also in what we do in mental health like it's in a, unavoidable we do a lot of benchmarking to understand yeah. like what other products are doing etc but then for me it's always going back to the why why are do, are we doing this what are uh, our user seeking in our app what is our biggest differentiator um, and this goes back to what we were saying before like why users are so important in our process because um, you can just like look at what the big in, in the field are doing and copycat, but then they have different products. Like 
our product is kind of unique for the amount of intervention that it has, which is like uh, a development nightmare and dream or like design. <laughs> for the crazy part of a designer, it's very nice because in terms of UX architecture, it's very complex. But, you know, like we have this unique, uh, unicity (laughs) it's like it's you cannot just copy you 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 cannot be blind of what is happening in the market so you can actually learn from what people are doing what you know changing direction the upgrades that they do etc but like in the other side you want to create something that is unique and to do so you have to dig deeper yeah exactly but also you cannot compete on functionalities because yeah, the case was with Snapchat and Instagram. So, yeah, they created stories day after day, and it was done, right? <laughs> they didn't have to and create a new product to do that. They mm-hmm. have the resources. They have yeah, they can build on top of it all the time. But if you focus on the users and if you focus on yeah, a different user experience, that can be the differentiator, right? Design impacts the lives of humans. That's the most beautiful part, right? Because you can change the world. <laughs> it's also the worrisome part, right? Um, I I had the opportunity to give a, a talk a while ago, and actually the topic I picked the the le- the the lecture was called um, interface style, and was like all about how. Actually, we as UX designers, we have like a responsibility of because at the end of the day, we design how people spend time. Yeah. And it goes from I'm about to get the train, and this uh, vending machine sucks. And I don't know how to buy yeah. a ticket, and I lost my train. Yeah. To this interface is so, so sticky that I'm wasting hours scrolling yeah. an infinite wall. Yeah with everything that there is in the middle. It's a huge responsibility. Yeah, I think that we should talk about this because yeah, design has a huge responsibility as well as development. Because yeah, yesterday I was writing an article about this that yeah, we have to think about the consequences because yeah, if we create another social media app, like what impact will it have on the future generations? We know with Instagram that it changed how people view themselves. They it caused a lot of problems because teenagers are constantly comparing themselves to others. And who would have thought about this when they started developing Instagram yeah, a few years ago, right? This is like a huge topic, right? Like for me, every job I joined is because I thought like about the the meaning of what I uh, I was about to build. And honestly, it's interesting because, you know, like I, you can say, oh, you work for 3D printing. Oh, that is just feel like fancy technology. <laughs> but for me, I had this dream when I, when I joined them that actually would have like a huge impact in sustainability because I yeah. thought like, what if instead of having a shop full of plastic stuff that half of them will end up in the trash and not even being bought. Uh, what if you can uh, buy on demand, uh, you can buy 
uh, in location. You won't need like transportation, uh, uh, storage. Like that is like a lot of energy and cost um, reduced. Um, and so I had like this fascination. And now with mental health, it as I told you in the beginning of this conversation, is like mm, carrot for a rabbit, right? Like I was like, oh my god, I want that. <laughs> Yeah. Because I I love to to have this responsibility, um, and I take it very seriously. And I had like a uh, several fights already during the history of this uh, product because we have like a lot of tension, right? Like we're a startup, we have to prove that what we do works. Um, but again, uh, we are not Instagram, so we don't we don't need. I mean, if a person comes from help, I don't want to create an uh, addictive interface. So this person stick to the product because we are kind of doing the opposite, and the the tension rely on uh, on really like making the product that is really useful. So eventually, if I am in another crisis, cyclically, I will come back. Um, it's a bit like when I, I'm going to use another analogy with the real world. Like if you go to therapy, you go for a while, then you get the tools. Uh, or maybe you pass like a hard moment in life and we, you need support. And then, um, and then it's like, Maybe you are good for months, years, and then you have another crisis. And you, and if the therapist you went to was really good, you will go back to the therapy. Yeah. Otherwise, you will ask your friends yeah. <laughs> to. And so for me, like an ambition that I have with this product is to make it so good that it really helps you. And so it stick to your mind that helped you and you want to go back to it when you need it, not because it's buzzing you to come back to it. Not because you're addicted to it. <laughs> exactly. But of course, it's a huge challenge. Um, and and we are working very closely also with data analysts to, to build a compelling storytelling around it because <laughs> the poetic that I'm telling you now, it doesn't resonate with people that buy it. Like they want to see how many user are engaged to this app daily and it's it's very it's like a huge tension right uh of what the product wouldn't be better if people engage with it every every day it just like show that they are probably very needy in that moment yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but we have to talk about these things and yeah especially to the people that want to be designers so when they start their career and they are they start working, they will have it already in their mind that yeah, the work that I do, it has some consequences and they have to have the bigger picture in mind. Yeah, indeed. I mean, um, but then I guess it goes with many things in life, like yes. <laughs> not just in the design world, but like how your behavior is towards others impact. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Mm. The, the people at the coffee place that say a good morning every day or... Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite project that you have worked on? 
as I said, like in the beginning, is every path uh, in my career have been kind of fulfilling. I don't know. I I say it's like thirty uh, percent. I've been lucky. Thirty percent. I've been curious enough. Uh, and thirty percent, I've been meeting probably awesome people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, I learn in any project I did uh, something different. And of course, like now I've been already in this company for two years, so it kind of said long how much I am uh, enjoying this. Yeah. Um, but it's like you know in almost two years in a company I did two different products uh, and within this product there is so many projects going on in parallel but more than a project maybe I can talk about phase of projects Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm truly enjoying the early stage uh, of something when you can define the why Uh, Mm -hmm. like like really like mm, going from ideation to something that is actually tangible and something that people can use. Um, that is like where I get the most energy. That is the part where normally you collaborate more multidisciplinary teams. Uh, and so, yeah, probably yeah. that. That's <laughs> when you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. Do you think that... Yeah, when you are a designer, do you have that you have to be either a generalist or specialist, or is there something more, something in between? Mm, it's a huge topic, eh? because I people are always split uh, in between generalist and, and specialist. But what I've seen in real life, it's neither one or the other. Like I, I don't believe in unicorns. Like I don't believe that someone can know it all um because i mean especially how the design field evolved you go from strategic very abstract thinking to being super tactical and building pixel perfect ui and with everything that is in the middle user research uh more logic flow versus branding, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, I never seen a person that was excellent in everything, but uh, working in startup or even when I was working consultancy or in HP, I, I never had the luxury of being overstaffed. <laughs> so normally people can do more than one thing very well. So it's, uh, I don't, I don't believe in the T-shape because the T-shape says like, you have like one thing that do well and then you know the general stuff. But I all believe that it's almost like a mountain. Like you have, you know, the valley that you, you understand, you know, a bit, but then, you know, and sometimes it's a plateau, uh, yeah. but it's, it's more, um, you need to, to understand more than one discipline. Uh, within the design discipline well, especially if you want to evolve your career uh, in a role like mine, that you're more managing people. Because if you just understand one thing, either you work in a very big company in which they have like 
only the UXers, only the researchers, yeah. only the... It's all siloed, like, yeah. And then you can only support one type of people, but uh, you need to understand what your team is doing. And to do so, you need to accelerate your brain and uh, yeah. put effort in, in not just becoming good at one thing, but becoming good at many things. So you can understand their struggles, um, their challenges, etc. And then maybe in one thing, they're better than you, but at least you can help them to overcome certain things. Um, so T-shape is too luxurious for, especially for startup. <laughs> yeah. Like in a startup, you have to know a lot of things to yeah, push the team kind of. Push or pull, <laughs> it depends on the position. <laughs> and if I gave you a billion dollars to work on any problem that you want to solve, what problem would you work on? I would work in the probably most common form of discrimination that is um, male versus female mm-hmm. um, discrimination. Um, I work in a tech environment. I've been yeah. very evident from the beginning of my career. And I consider myself in a privileged position. I consider myself in a privileged position because I'm a woman and I can work in a leadership position within a tech company. Yeah. And not in all the part of the world that's the case. So if I had a lot of money to work into something, um, yeah. I will start to work from the bottom of that problem, not trying to, I mean, solve it because it's not one generational problem, of course, but at least start to make steps. Yeah, it would take many years in some countries. <laughs> but there is room for improvement everywhere, I think. Yes. Because we can even see it now, like, yeah, with the bigger companies, they have more open yeah, the diversity and inclusion politics. So, yeah, that's a step in the right direction. But yeah, I don't know if a billion dollars would be enough to solve it. <laughs> no, no, but that's what I'm saying. I, I said, like, I would start from yeah. the bot. I'm not like aiming to solve it, just making yeah. steps towards contribute to the cause. Because, yeah, solving it would be a bit ambitious. <laughs> how can we use design to fight workaholism? Because workaholism is a different problem. That's in the world, and I think everywhere. Like we see, even developers that are working a few jobs because they like it, but you have to have time to free your mind. How young are these people that have two jobs? (laughs) Because I think that goes a lot with age. I mean, when I was younger, um, I was uh, I was really like working, lecturing, doing side projects, etc. And then I I learned um, the hard way that I need to do hobbies that are not design related, that I really need my free time. Because if you really want to be like always on top of things, uh, especially if you have a creative job that needs that creative juice and like, pushing boundaries uh, there, you need to be fresh and energetic and 
uh, I mean, I work in mental health, so I mean, <laughs> there is many theories that back up this thinking, is uh, not just that I'm coming up with it, but uh, it's essential, it's essential, like breaks are part of the cycles, uh, sleeping is part of the cycle, it's proven that, you know, people take, uh, get ideas when they're in the shower, when on the bike, when they, why? Because when you take a break and take some distance from things, your your brain can rewire and then you get create different connections. So why not to be proactive about it and uh, allocate that free time instead of waiting to have time to do a sh- take a shower? Like our brain can process many things and then we can get those creative ideas. Like yeah. Even, even before sleeping, like... Uh, I don't know about you, but I sometimes get nice ideas right before I fall asleep. And I learned that I have to write them down because I won't remember them in the morning. I have to say that uh, I'm more of a morning person. So it's for me, I, I, for me, it's easier that I get like ideas of during the day or when I wake up, my commuting to work, etc. And normally, actually, for me, I have to be honest, when I get an idea in the evening, even if I write it down, then the day after I read it, and probably it was crap because I was too tired to put something together. It was uh, a sense. But anyway. <laughs> and do you have any tips or advice for people who yeah, are at the start of their career as a designer? I would say uh, stay curious and stay hungry because, uh, yeah, interaction design, UX design is still like a fairly um, uh, new uh, area, no? Like if you think like about doctors or engineers, like, I mean, we have been around only for a few decades less. Um, And and so for me, the best way to learn um, it's using a lot of things. Uh, I have uh, this approach, like when I'm looking for an app, I don't know, I was looking for a fasting app. What I do is like, I download 10, like without even looking at them, pam, 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 pam. And then I, I just like browse them, understand the architecture, the flows, the meter, meter interaction, etc. And And so for me, it's like keeping an eye of what is out there. Try to create um, intersection between like you know like the the product itself and also their fields like there is again I, I made different analogies and metaphors during this call but for me that is super important to translate from one field to another if you like co- to cook look at the process of cooking if uh, you are into bike bikes mountain bikes then you know things about the mechanics i don't know there is like so much um much you can learn uh trying to do cross-pollinate disciplines that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) so where can people find you if they want to connect with you ask some questions well probably the best way is linkedin um i'm i'm not uh i'm very 
not active in social media, I have to say, and especially as I started uh, to work in mental health, I kind of took a conscious decision around that. Um, and so probably like professional um, LinkedIn, my email, it's, uh, you know, also probably foundable through LinkedIn, but it's martina.pagura at gmail, no, sorry gmail.com <laughs> I'm, I was like gmail this is how in Spanish they say it gmail.com <laughs> anyway like email if you want to contact me have questions otherwise LinkedIn is probably the best channel awesome thank you very much for today and see ya thank you it was fun this podcast is brought to you by Elite Crew the software house that helps designers shape the world If you need help with your project or want to consult technical matters, just drop us a message at EliteCrew.io. We'll be happy to help.